does anyone here want to taste the victory? Come on. Don't mind these down here. They just came to get a little victory today. Come on, just somebody just reach out in the spirit and grab a hold of what is in this room right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we're here for you. We're here to hear your word, God, to receive your promise. God, to walk out of here victorious. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. That's okay. Just give the Lord a hand clap of praise. That's all right. Just praise him for a moment longer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. God, we just yield to your spirit right now. Come on, there's a breakthrough coming in somebody's heart. Come on, that's why we're not moving on so quickly. If somebody is getting a hold of something in the Holy Ghost, come on, that's it. You've got to rise up in your spirit and by faith take hold of the promises of God. Come on, that's it. Just reach out in the Holy Ghost and say, Victory is mine today. Victory is mine today. My goodness. Now listen. Listen, I know what I feel here right now. Listen. We could take off and and just shout for about an hour. I know we could. (laughs) But I have never walked to a pulpit more confident that I have a word from God for somebody in this house. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, Victory is mine. Somebody say, Victory is mine. I didn't come here to lose. I didn't come here to be the tail. I I came here to win. Somebody say, victory is mine. My, my, my. I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody get your Bible out. And I'm going to try to preach quick today because I feel like the Holy Ghost and faith is already in this room. Amen. Amen. We're not afraid to cancel the plans (laughs) if we need to. And I'll tell you what. I'll stop preaching when you guys respond. How about that? Amen. I'll make a deal with you. If, if, if we come to a point of response and a point of faith, we don't need to go any further in this room today. Because I came with a message for somebody that has been passive in their faith that God is calling us to the fight. Turn with me. 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to start reading about verse 20. I'm going to read it quickly. Quickly. Amen. First Samuel 17, verse 20 says, So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came And greeted his brothers. And as he talked with them, there was a champion, the Philistine of Goth, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him 
and were dreadfully afraid. Somebody say they were afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be the man who kills him. The king will enrich with great riches and will give him his daughter. And give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. You believe that will get somebody to fight? It's tax season. They said, you get free taxes the rest of your life. No, no taxes for you. And then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who, listen to this, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered in this manner saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, I know I'm reading fast, but I want to get to where I'm going. Eliab, his oldest brother heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and insolence of heart. And you have come down to see the battle. And David said this, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. He turned to somebody else and he said, is there not a cause? The enemy is looking at us across the valley, intimidating us and calling out to us and we're cowering in fear. And he turns to his brother and he says, isn't there a reason to fight? Isn't there a cause to fight for? And when the words that David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for them, uh, for him. And David said to Saul, listen to this, let no man's heart fail because of him. For your servant will go and fight the Philistine. Everybody else was scared. Everybody else was cowering. But David said, I will fight. Today, I've come to preach to someone from that subject. I will fight. Because I want you to go ahead and sit down. Because listen, when everything in life has run up against you, and when your family's in trouble, and and when you don't know where to turn, and you don't know what to do, and you're intimidated and scared that it's not going to work out like God said it would work out, someone needs to rise up and say, I will fight. Now listen, there's nothing that is quite as revealing when you come face to face with a fight. Scientists call it the fight or flight response. When we feel endangered, the sympathetic nervous system stimulates the adrenal glands, triggering the release of adrenaline and noradrenaline. And the body immediately feels the impact. The heart rate increases dramatically, along with the uh, blood pressure and breathing rate. The pulse quickens, the pupils dilate, the palms get sweaty, and our chest pounds, and we are left with a split-second choice. Do I fight or do I run? 
Am I going to fight this fight or am I going to try to avoid it? Will I stand up to the enemy in front of me or will I back down from the fight? It is in those moments when we come to the fight that everything in our mind and in our body turns on. It's surviving time. It's fighting time. And we will either scratch and claw and punch and kick our way to victory or our physiology will activate all of its resources in order to escape from the danger that is in front of us. They say it like this. It's go time. It's go time. You ever seen someone take off their coat and throw it down and say, all right, it's go time. I've come to tell someone in the Holy Ghost that it's go time in 2020. Listen, I was only about eight years old when Dad sat me down and said, son, sometimes you have to fight. Now listen, here's the backstory. I had been in some neighborhood argument, and my mouth had probably got me in trouble. It did often And I I talked a big game, but the biggest boy in our neighborhood came and rang my doorbell while we were eating dinner. I had talked some trash to him. I could beat you up. And when I answered the door with a fork in my hand, this big guy, he he looked like he was about 6'3". He was probably like 5'5", but I was a little bitty. Derek said, hey, Rory, do you want to fight? I said, "Uh, well, we're eating dinner right now. Maybe we can do it sometime later. He said, can you come out and fight? I said, well, you know, I, I had the fork. Look, we're eating dinner. I had proof. We're eating dinner. I didn't want to fight him. He said, well, how about in 30 minutes? I said, I don't know. I got some homework to do. He said, well, how about tomorrow? And I mean, it was a David and Goliath situation. I said, I don't know. I, I'll let you know. I didn't want to fight him. He was big, and I was small. He was large, and I was little. I was scared, and Dad overheard the conversation from the kitchen, and that's when he sat me down and let me know, Son, sometimes you just have to fight. When somebody comes knocking on the door, sometimes you just have to stand up for yourself, and you have to fight. Now listen, he said, and this, I'm not, I'm going to put out a disclaimer. I'm not saying this is the best parenting advice, but it'll preach. <laughs> he said, listen, son, you don't start the fight. Don't start a fight. I don't want to hear your teachers or your principal calling me and saying that you started a fight. But he said, but if someone ever starts a fight with you, make sure that you do everything in your power to finish the fight. He told me that if someone picked a fight with me, he didn't care what I had to do to win. He said, if you got to throw dirt in their eyes, throw dirt in their eyes. Again, disclaimer. He said, if you got to grab a bottle and hit them with a bottle, I don't know where he thought I was going to get a glass bottle from. I was in elementary school. He said, you hit them with a bottle. He said, you do whatever it takes to win. You protect yourself at all costs. He said this. He said, whoever in a fight comes with the fastest, the most, or or comes the most, the fastest, usually wins the fight. So he said, don't stand around and wait. He said, get ready. When someone comes at you, you get ready to fight. Now listen, 
I was small, and my dad loved me. And he wanted me to understand that there are some fights that only I could fight. There were some fights that saying my daddy is bigger than your daddy wouldn't get me out of. There are some fights that you just have to fight. When the enemy comes knocking on your door and when the enemy shows up and picks a fight with you, I believe in the spirit that God is saying to us that you have to be willing to fight for the things that matter, to scrap, to do whatever it takes to pray as long as you have to pray, to fast as long as you have to fast, to seek as long as you have to seek, to speak faith over your children as long as you have to speak faith over your children. Sometimes you just have to fight. You just got to fight sometimes. It's my fight. And if I didn't fight them, no one else would. And sometimes you just have to fight or your foe is going to make your life miserable. There are moments when you have been faced down by an enemy that won't back down. There are the moments when your family is under attack. When your faith is under fire. When your marriage is under assault. And I'm preaching about moments when the enemy is sowing doubt into your calling. When he's doing everything in his power to get you to give up. To get you to shut up. To get you to walk away from the fight. We need to recognize that the enemy is at work in our world. And he's passionate about his purpose. Invested in establishing his kingdom. He and his demons are willing to do whatever it takes to separate you and your family from your faith. He's willing to do whatever it takes to win. Because the Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground. And Satan is invested in intimidating God's people so that they refuse to fight. I believe that I stand before a crowd of people today who felt the sting of the fight. You felt like you've been knocked down. You've suffered loss in your family. You felt the unmistakable damage to your faith. You've heard the voice of fear and the intimidation of the enemy. You've heard the unmistakable sound at the, of that bully at the doorbell. And I've come to preach to someone today that, son, sometimes you just have to fight. Sometimes you have to activate your faith. Sometimes you've got to step and stand in the gap for the issue that is at hand. Sometimes, somebody say, sometimes you've got to fight. First Samuel 17, the men of Israel are intimidated and afraid. Forty days, Goliath has come to the valley of Elah to uh, tempt them, to taunt them, and to challenge them to a fight. It was a winner-take-all event. One-on-one, Goliath's taunt was, you send out your best warrior, and if they can beat me, our people will serve you. But if you lose, you're going to be our slaves. And, And there was much to win by facing Goliath, but there was also much to lose. And so... The men of Israel took one look at his nine-foot frame of his spear that looked like a weaver's beam and a shield that they probably couldn't even lift. And they said, it's not worth the risk. And they fled in fear to the hills away from the fight. And then along comes little David. I love David. Because David arrives as they're going out to battle and he sees what's happening. And something turns inside the heart. Of that young man. Because when David saw God's people cowering before this nine foot giant named Goliath. 
hiding behind rocks for fear of losing, David raised his voice. And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of Israel? Who is this that thinks he's going to roll up in my neighborhood to God's people and think that he can run us out of our blessing and promise? Who is this guy? David didn't see the personal risk. He didn't focus on the message of fear echoing across the hills. David paid no attention to the taunting voice of the giant. Everyone else was tuned in to the terror of the fight, but not David. David saw the unimaginable loss that would happen if Israel chose not to fight. If somebody refused to stand and fight, he understood that they would lose everything. They would lose their freedom. They would lose their faith. They would lose their future. Everything is on the line. And David wasn't focused on personal fear. David was looking at the cause. He was thinking about the lost promises of God. The abandoned hopes and dreams of young men all across his nation. He was thinking about the freedom and the future of his loved ones. He was thinking about all the men and women who had walked with God in generations past that had delivered him to this moment, that had forged the covenant with God that he now lived in the blessings of. And for David, there was just too much on the line to sit back and do nothing, to sit back and say nothing. David understood something that we need a fresh revelation of today. That there can be no victory if there is no fight. There can be no future if there is no fight. There can be no breakthrough without a fight. And something happened in the heart of that young warrior that day that would propel him onto the pages of history. Everyone else was running away. But David stepped up to the plate. His nation had been knocked down. Put to the ground by the spirit of intimidation that called to them across the valley. For David, the cause was greater than the cost. He couldn't see past the why behind the fight. He couldn't sit back and watch God's kingdom and God's people be defeated. And David asked a question that pierced through the ignorance of his brother and through the cowardice of the hiding men around him. David started asking everybody around, isn't there something to fight for? Is there not a cause? We are God's people. We are God's children. There are women and children huddled in their homes hoping for you to come back. Your life is on the line here. Isn't there a cause? Your family is on the line here. Isn't there a reason to fight? Is there not a cause? There was no more holding back for David. No more playing pretend. No more imitating other warriors or caring about what they thought. No more wearing armor that wasn't his and that didn't fit. No more faking it until he can make it. Because for David, the cause was too great. The cause was too important. His calling was too high. And his God was too big for him to back down this time. They had backed down many times before, but David said, 40 days, no one has stepped up. And for David, the cause was just too great. It just mattered too much not to fight. It was time to fight. It was February 11th, 1990. 
when Buster Douglas finally stepped into the ring with the undisputed and undefeated heavyweight champion of the world, Iron Mike Tyson. He had prepared for months on end, the moment his life had been pointing toward throughout years of training, hours, days, and nights spent in the gym. He faced a giant in the sport of boxing. Mike Tyson, if you don't know him, was a monster in the ring. He had the most first-round knockouts of any heavyweight in history. He had never been defeated, and few had even made it past the first round. Tyson that day was a 42-to-1 betting favorite to beat Buster Douglas. Buster was supposed to be just another bump in the road, another win in the column. But that's not how history unfolded that day. Tyson thought that he would walk away with the victory and his record intact. But Buster Douglas shocked the world when he got back up. You can write everything down if you want to. Be brave enough to write every one of your goals down. But I'm going to tell you something. Life's going to hit you in your mouth and you got to do me a huge favor. Your why has to be greater than that knockdown. And I love it. Buster Douglas got knocked out. Nobody ever got knocked out by Mike Tyson and ever got back up. It was almost a 10 count. He was stumbling. They were four, three, two, one. Ding, ding, ding. Saved by the bell. He goes to his corner. The whole world is like, oh, that's it. Once he comes back out, that's it. Mike's going to just hammer him. And exactly that, Mike Tyson came out like, I got him. I got this kid up against the rope. Listen to me. Many of you right now, life's got you up against the rope. You can't give up. You can't give in. Listen to me. If it was easy, everybody would do it. And if life's got you backed up, I need you to do what Buster Douglas did. Buster Douglas started fighting back. The world was shocked. <gasps> Goliath has been knocked down. What happened? And they went to Buster Douglas and they asked Buster Douglas simply like, what happened? And Buster Douglas said, listen to me, it's real simple. Before my mother died, she told the whole world that I was going to beat Mike Tyson. And two days before the fight, my mother died. Buster Douglas had, he had a decision to make. When his mother died, he could die with his mother or he made a decision, I can wake up and I can live for mom. And he knocked Mike Tyson out simply because his why was greater than that punch. His why was greater than defeat. His why was greater than his trial and his tribulation. And I'm telling you, if you don't know what your why is and your why isn't strong, you're going to get knocked out every single day. Is there not a cause? Buster got back up and he kept on fighting even though he was scared, even though he was afraid, even though he didn't know if he could do it, if he had it within him. But Buster said, you know what? I've got a reason to fight. And I'm preaching to parents here that you've got kids that are going to face eternity one day. You've got a reason to fight. I'm preaching to a husband and a wife. You've got a marriage that God ordained, that God called you to. You've got a reason to fight. And some of you have been afraid. Some of you have been passive in your faith. You've been hiding because because you're afraid of what the enemy is going to hit you with. But I've come to preach to someone on a Sunday morning that it's time to fight. 
I feel the Holy Ghost in this room calling someone, come out from behind the rocks. Come on, David. Where is the cause? Come on. Where is the city that's lost and dying and going to hell? Come on. What is the cause that we're living for? There's a kingdom to establish in this world. Let me tell you something, when you get a hold of the why, and when you stop seeing the pain and start seeing the promise, all of a sudden everything changes in your life. All of a sudden prayer stops being a chore and something that I've got to do. And mom and dad, you'll start getting down and praying if you'll remember why God put you here and what God put in your hands and why God has called you to this hour and for this time. Come on, is anybody here the Holy Ghost in this place? There is a cause worth fighting for I love that story of Buster Douglas because he went back to the corner hurt and abused he thought it was almost over but he started thinking about his mama his mama that believed in him his mama that had paid all those boxing lessons his mama that had brought him there his mama that had come within two days of seeing her son fight for the belt and he remembered all of the hours and the energy that he had put in and how much it all really mattered and listen when your natural abilities will not carry you I want to preach to you this morning your purpose will your purpose will carry you when it feels like you've got nothing left to give and you start thinking about the promises and everything that God has done to bring you to where you are when you remember your why it can change everything I'm preaching to people today that passive faith will never bring your breakthrough passive faith you know what we do is we say God thy will be done And then we fold our arms and we sit back and we wait for God to do it, don't we? We say, Lord, thy will be done. And we think that that's where it ends. But understand this, God has equipped us with everything that we need to win this fight. Psalm 78 is a profile in passive faith. The children, it says, being armed. The children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. They had everything in their hands that they needed to win. They just didn't have the will to fight. They were there. The battle was set in order. It was everything was in place. They had bows and they had the arms that they needed, the weapons that they needed to win, the weapons that they needed to overcome this enemy. But the Bible says they turned back in the day of battle and they didn't use the weapons that they had in their hands. Why? 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 Because verse 10 says they did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. Marvelous things that he did in the sight of their fathers. They forgot how God had brought them through before. They thought about the old commitments that they had made. And they started living easy. And when they start living easy, they start losing. I've heard someone say, I don't know where it came from, but it's a great saying, that it's hard to live for God easy, but it's easy to live for God hard. Is when God has given you the weapons, we just need to have the will to fight in order to win because passive faith never brings a breakthrough. I'm preaching to somebody today that's just been going through the motions. You see your family slipping and sliding. You see your calling drifting ever farther away and you see and hear the voice of the enemy calling out to you you'll never be what you thought you were going to be it'll never happen the way that you saw it when God spoke it 
And like Ephraim, you wonder, is this a fight that I really want to fight? I've come to tell you today that passive faith never brings a breakthrough. You see, you don't need as much as you think you do to win. You, don't, you have everything you need in your hands, believer. You know, the two things that every Christian needs, and we receive it through the new birth, is we need the power and the authority of God, the exousia and the dunamis of God. Listen, listen to me. When you were baptized in the name of Jesus, the Bible says that at that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. It is an authoritative name. And when you are baptized, you are baptized into Christ. And you receive through the new birth every, all the authority that you need to fight. Well, listen, we don't just need the authority. The Bible says after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power. That word is dunamis. And so listen, when you are born again of water and of spirit, you have the authority of the name of Jesus and you have the power of his divine spirit. You have the weapons that you need to win. And you're saying, but I'm not a great prayer warrior or I'm a new convert. Listen, when you were born into the kingdom, you were born with all the weapons that you really need to win. You have the power and you have the authority of God upon your life you've got what it takes to win in first samuel 14 jonathan didn't have much he had one weapon between two men but he said let us go over and fight and see that maybe just perhaps the lord will uh, bring a victory by our hand he didn't have so many tools he didn't have a suv that he opened up the back and had all kind of what no he just had one sword and one man and he went and took down the philistine because god was with him You see, our family and church will continue to take losses as long as the weapons lie scattered at our feet. Because passive faith is having everything that you need in your hands, but turning back in the day of battle. And I know that I'm preaching to the church today, and God bless all of our guests that came, but I've come to wake up a sleeping Christian who's been watching stuff happen all around you, and you've been saying, God, I don't want this to happen. Listen, there's a fight, and sometimes you just have to fight. Sometimes you just got to stand up, and you've got to bear up the heavy burden and bear up the load that living for God takes and you just got to bear up that cross and deny yourself and walk into a fight that you're able to win we have spiritual weapons that have divine power second corinthians 10 4 says the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds we have what we need we have spiritual weapons with divine power we have spiritual weapons with divine power when we pray we're not just messing around we are praying in the spirit and we are fighting back the forces of hell when we speak the word we are not just giving a speech on a sunday we are not just preaching to our family or sharing the word with a co-worker. We are wielding the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God that pierces to the soul of a man, even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of joint and bone and marrow. That's what the word can do. It's a mighty spiritual weapon that we have in our hands. Prayer is not the refuge of the weak. It is the realm of the warrior. And we have weapons that will work. 
but we must have the will to use them. Passive faith will never bring you to a breakthrough in your finances. Listen, you've got to activate your faith. You've got to activate your faith. I'm preaching to a room full of people with faith. You've got to activate your faith. When blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was going by, he activated his faith. You know what it looked like? He said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Screaming above the crowd, he activated his faith. The woman with the issue of blood pressed through a crowd and activated her faith. She said, I'm not just going to hope for it. I'm not just going to wish for it, but I'm going to work for it. And she pressed what was pressing her and pressed through the crowd, activating her faith. When she grabbed the hem of his garment, she received the healing of her body. Why? Because she activated her faith. Zacharias was a little old man, right? But he wanted to see Jesus. And listen, instead of waiting for the crowd to clear and just hoping passively that it would work out, that he would get to lay his eyes on Jesus, Zechariah, or, or Zacchaeus got to work. And he climbed up that tree so he could see Jesus. Why? Because he was activating his faith. Sometimes you just got to step into the realm of the battle zone. Sometimes you just got to put something at risk and say, you know what? Whatever it takes, God, whatever you're asking me to do, I'll do it. In faith, you've got to activate your faith. Because faith is a reward system. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Somebody say that. Faith is a reward system. Faith is a reward system. I know that there are a lot of people who think that everything comes by grace. But the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. That not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. But faith is a reward system. How so? For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is a reward system. And when we activate our faith, and when we step out and do things in faith, this is how the gifts of the Spirit operate. We don't wait for God to take over our body. You step out in faith and obey what the Spirit is saying. Anybody ever felt the Spirit nudge you to pray for somebody? That is the voice of the Spirit. And you activate your faith, and God can begin to do things through you that you can't do by yourself. And God will begin to use you in ways that you can never attain by yourself but you've got to be willing to activate your faith and step in to the fight how how do I do it I pick up the weapons that God gave me and I use them I come to a close I want to ask brother Toby to come and we're going to end here in just a moment I'm going to read you a declaration that I found from Elevation Creative from which I took the title of this message here in a moment but I want to tell you where I'm coming from. Is in the month of January, and even going back into December, God has been awakening some stuff in my life and in my spirit. Listen, like we've got to stand up in this hour. We've got to recognize where we are.
So many Christians are intimidated and think that they don't have what it takes. And so they don't pray. So they don't worship. They don't give God their best. And they don't put themselves on the line because they think, who am I that I could do it anyways? And I've come to tell you, you have everything that you need. You've got everything in your hands that you need. Come on, Dad. You've got everything you need to lead your family. Come on, Mom. You've got everything you need to raise apostolic, tongue-talking kids. You've got everything that you need. It's in your hands. But you've got to be willing to use it. That day in the Valley of Elah, all the men of Israel were armed to the teeth, but they were afraid to fight. But that day, destiny got a hold of the heart of a young man whose eyes were wide open. David saw the stakes. He saw what was on the line. God's kingdom and people were held in the balance. The future was perilously close to slipping away. And there was so much to lose, but yet so much to fight for. David wasn't playing shepherd anymore. David saw the need. And he was consumed with the cause, willing to give everything he had to bring God glory. And David stepped to the front line. And he said, if no one else will, I will fight. My prayer today is that somehow, I want us to stand together, somehow you will see what is at stake in this place today. What is really on the line. And my prayer is that God will pull back the veil of eternity and let you catch a glimpse of the things that are being decided in this moment here and now, my prayer is that you will echo the declaration that the voice of another David would rise from the place of faith and conviction and say, I will fight. Listen to this declaration. The Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground. So today I give no place to fear or to failure. I will not accept a trace of apathy in my attitudes and in my actions. I will reject complacency and embrace the greatness that God has planted inside of me. I will waste no opportunity to glorify God and maximize everything that He has entrusted to me. I will fight. My battle is not against flesh and blood, but against a spiritual enemy that opposes me. So I will draw the battle lines and face my enemy with a bold determination. I will dismantle every argument and pretension that he presents, which contradicts what God has spoken. My enemy fights against me because he fears me. And every time he reminds me of my past, I will remind him of his future. I hope you feel it in your spirit. Every time I resist him, he must flee. And every time I speak the truth, every stronghold must surrender. I will fight. I will make no excuses, but through every obstacle, I will find a way. I will not procrastinate my progress. I will not defer my destiny. I will not waver when I am weak. I will not cower when circumstances take a turn for the worse. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will fight. I will pursue 
overtake and recover everything that the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy in my life. And even if I lose the battle, I will win the war because I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves me. I am raised to life with Jesus Christ. I reign with him because I look to him for strength. I will reject the lies that echo in my mind telling me that I don't have what it takes. That I cannot survive this trial. That my best is behind me or that humiliation awaits me. The devil is a liar. And my God always causes me to triumph through Jesus Christ my Lord. I will fight. I am unashamed to represent the kingdom that is unshakable. No one will be able to stand against God's plan for me. For me all the days of my life, with my God, I will advance against every truth. With His help, I will scale every wall. Though my enemies surround me, my God surrounds my enemies. Though they come at me from one way, my God surrounds my enemies. And they will flee seven ways. Because no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And everything that rises against me, I will condemn. I will fight. I have determined to build my life on the solid foundation of God's perfect work. By faith, I activate every promise that He has made. And I aim these promises as weapons of mass destruction, obliterating every spiritual opponent. For the weapons that God has given me have divine power. I defy and defeat sin because of the finished work of the cross. I am wholeheartedly devoted to the cause that God made me for. And I have no intention of letting the world define me because I know who I am. I am a humble warrior, a good soldier, a strong and mighty servant of the living God. In Christ, I am courageous. In Christ, I am confident. My heart is steadfast. My purpose is immovable. I am always abounding in the work of the Lord. And my potential is unlimited because the limitless God lives within me. I will fight. Is before me. The world is behind me. I will never turn back. I will never give up. I'll never settle. I'll never stop short. I will press towards the mark of the prize that is already declared to be mine. For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate me from the love of God. And if my God is for me, who can be against me? I am going to fight. I will fight. I wonder if there's a David in this room that the spirit of warfare has just come over that will step out of this aisle and walk up to the front and say, you know what, God? I'm ready to fight the fight. I'm ready to activate my faith. I'm ready to meet the giant that stands before me. And today, I declare war against the enemy and I will win because if God is for me, who can be against me? Would you see?
on, I want you to link up with somebody next to you. And I want you to start speaking to your circumstances. Come on, start speaking to the enemy and the voice of intimidation in your life. That I may not have much, but I have what it takes. I'm a child of God. Come on, that's it. Lift up your faith. Activate your faith in this house. somebody would just raise their hand. Amen. What we're trying to do in this altar call today is simply activate our faith. Right now, I believe God is already speaking to people. Steps that you need to take. 
conversations that you need to have. Come on, I believe God is speaking to some dads in this room how you're going to lead your family and how you're going to step up to the plate. Some things that God has already put down deep in here. And I just want us to lift our hands in this room and say, Lord, I will fight, God, for the promises that you gave me. God, because the cause is too great. God, my calling is too high. God, my promises are ever before me and I cannot quit because there's a cause, God. There's a reason to get back up again. There's a reason to keep on praying praying to keep on believing come on that's it lord i choose to fight i'm fighting for my kids today god i'm fighting that my family be saved today god i'm fighting that my community be reached today god in the name of jesus i declare that i was come on that's it would you just worship and say lord i'm gonna fight god i'm gonna fight i will not turn back in the day of battle Come on, that's it, Lord. We just worship.